Welcome, listeners. Thank you so much for downloading the show. I wanted to let you know up top that my audio wasn't the best because my mic was having some problems, but it really isn't too bad. Also, the show ran a little bit short, so a clip that was going to be cut has been placed at the very end of the show. It's very personal and highly embarrassing to me, so that's my punishment for having a short show. And without further ado... The code for the door is 122485. Why didn't That's you say 12, that up top? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Let her go! Here in the lab, we're published too. Old Boys Club, we're coming for you. In the field, in the lab next door. Yeah, the plots you've been waiting for. Hello, Professor, here's the rub. It's misbehavior, General Club. Hello, world, I'm in lockout, girl. It's misbehavior, General Club. Welcome, listeners, to the Misbehavior Journal Club. I'm Amiel Moreno, PhD, here with Leah Krevit, Banff. And we are two scientifically trained and certifiably funny females bringing you the behind the scenes look at the latest neuroscience research with humor, sticky outy bits, and humanity. I went on a cruise. You did? How the hell was that? It was purgatory. <laughs> I'm glad you said it, because I don't want to rain on your parade or cruise, cruise. but that, that is what cruises sound like to me. We seemed to be sailing through purgatory for a good amount of the cruise. It was to Alaska, and the sky was a sheet of gray, and the water was mm. simply reflecting the sky. So it oh, really man. didn't appear as though we were moving through purgatory. I've always seen ad for cruises and they make it seem like a party thing, but I think like a really intense cruise that's meant to evoke the feelings that one might have in purgatory. Like, (laughs) I think there should be more themed cruises and I think the theme doesn't always have to be fun. (laughs) That sounds like an immersive experience. It's (laughs) so-so. One part of the cruise that I absolutely hated was when I went to go see stand-up comedy, and it was a cruise comic, so I wasn't expecting too much, but I really wasn't expecting him to steal a comedian, Larry Miller's The Five Stages of Drinking. Fuck. Tell me everything. He told the entire five stages of drinking and mixed up some cruise things in there a little bit, and... When the punchline happened, I said it with him. And my mom was like, really? Good. Because I had leaned over. I was like, he stole this routine. And she was like, huh? So then I said the punchline, which is, and then your buddy yells, we're driving to Florida and passes out. (laughs) That's spectacular. To get, okay, to get any gig at all, to get a gig like a cruise gig, it's not glamorous, it's literally purgatory, but it's paying, and it's performing, mm-hmm. and what the fuck was that guy thinking? That's incredible. I don't know. In his set, he also had another story bit 
where he was talking about the oddest comments that they get from people who are complaining or commenting about the crews on, on comment cards. So I went to go find a comment card right <laughs> after his performance so that he could have something new and interesting to talk about in his next bit. I went to the customer service area. They don't have a comment card box. He made that up too. <laughs> oh, what a fucking hack. Yeah, that's, that's the only good cruise story. And I had sex with a guy in the bathroom. But that's like the only really good cruise story I have. Uh, all right. Um, quick question. Yeah. I'm picturing like... I don't have a fully formed picture in my head, but as I understand it, the the quarters are are pretty tight on a cruise. Mm -hmm. Is that also true of cruise bathrooms? No, we were in the family bathroom. Okay. So one room, one door that locks. He had kids. I had my mom. So bedrooms weren't an option. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, Yeah. Mazel tov. What is that? The... It's not the Mile High Club if it's on a boat. Is it the Purgatory Pound Town? Is that... Was the sex mediocre? Oh, no, I wish. (laughs) I don't want to know whether it was good or bad. I just want to sit with that moment forever. I'm guessing that you were trying to come up with some way to find a rhyming fun name, and if it was mediocre, you had one, right? Oh, no, I did not. Oh, okay. I, That's I just, why I, I wished it was mediocre. Because <laughs> I thought it would help you out. Um, it's the Sailing Satisfactory Club? No, it's the... Seasick... You know, Mile High Club doesn't even rhyme. It's not like it. That's true. Honestly, I like Purgatory Pound Town because it's not even about the physical location. It's about the state of mind. Like, (laughs) I feel like we've all been to Purgatory Pound Town. So wish that it was mediocre. (laughs) What's it called? Like a the captain's log. (laughs) Captain, yeah, that that there you go. I'm just a notch in your belt while well, you're just an entry in my captain's log. I, so you joined the Mile High Club, you read the captain's log. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. captains of ships, but there's captains of planes too, damn it. I did the ship dip. <laughs> uh, seven. There's something with the seven seas. Yeah. Yeah. This is important. We'll get it later in the episode, and I hope we scream when we do, just like I did. Okay, so, what's new with you? Uh, I have also been thinking about the ocean. I don't quite know how, and I don't quite know why, but somehow the algorithm brought to my attention this YouTube channel where uh, these conservationists go out and pin down seals and Mm. cut, like, fishing netting off of them. Yeah. yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, it's very satisfying in a dystopian way. Humans being bros. Yeah, it's like when you read a heartwarming story about a a workplace where people pooled their vacation days so one of their coworkers can like go get chemo. It's like this isn't heartwarming, but in a small way it is. This is a boring dystopia. <laughs> 
it's a it's a dystopia with nice people in it. So that the man doesn't literally work you to death, we're going to lose something that he arbitrarily gives us and give it to you so you can get poisoned injected into your veins. But yeah, but yeah, isn't it sweet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to be a thing. That's going to be one of the things that we're doing oh so wrong, and it's just because we don't have any other way of fixing it. Back in the day, when you were on a pirate ship and you got syphilis, they had a very large collection for your funeral <laughs> syringe that they would take mercury and inject it into your penis. Oh, um, this um, centuries injecting mercury into your penis is chemotherapy. In fact, we have to poison our cancer away, and it sometimes just doesn't work. Yeah. Anywho, how else have you been? <laughs> All right, yeah. Uh, speaking of unfathomable uh, fathomings. <laughs> oh, it could be something about fathoms. Isn't that a... A sea term? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the frothy fathoms? No. Oh, God. Fathoms deep? No. The League of the Seas. I think that that's the equivalent. Because yeah, Mile High Club isn't like, I know exactly what that is. What, what, yeah, what, what about like sea level sexers? <laughs> sea level sexers. <laughs> Sideways soaring. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so fishes and, and the sea. Yes. I was thinking about all of the creatures that a seal encounters over the course of its life. All the fish that it eats, all the people who pin it down and cut nets from its neck, all the whales it tries to avoid, and all the just all the weird ass creatures with all sorts of different body plans and sizes mm. and ways of behaving and mm. depths that they're from and just really hit me how fucking big the ocean is and how weird it is that we're just mostly confined to the sticky outy parts oh. up top. Like, what a tiny fraction that is. Yeah, I think that what reminded the zeitgeist of that most recently was the utter disappearance of a Malaysian flight into the ocean. And people oh, yeah. like, what do you mean they haven't found it? It's a big fucking ocean. Sorry, dude. Oh my God. Like space is large. Yeah, you can lose a whole plane in there. Uh, um, hmm. Just a little pale blue dot moment. But it's a constant backdrop to life. Well, I feel like I know so much more about you now, Leah. <laughs> you can tell a lot about a person from their YouTube habits. Uh, what else do we have? I also learned that there are a ton of videos of deer licking cats. What? Cow? Yeah. I wonder if they taste good to them. That's a leading hypothesis. I, They're just. I don't think I've ever licked my cat. We're just going to yeah. sidestep all of the innuendos we can do here. <laughs> Yeah, it requires a, a great deal of flexibility. They were fawning over that pussy. <laughs> Seven inches under the sea. No. But there you go. No, that's good. Well, it depends. What level was the bathroom on? Was it well, above sea level? Well, we were starting uh, already below a couple inches, so. Yeah, no. no one's perfect. Hey. It's the motion of the ocean. 
Hey, so it's time for shared announcements. We don't have any. Subscribe and shit, please. You know, just like hit the subscribe button. And if you're listening, thank you so much for doing so. And if you ever get in charge of somebody else's electronic devices, sign them up too. Yeah, we welcome all listeners, voluntary or in. I just flashed to like all the various listeners and like one of them is just a girl tied up in a room. Oh, God. I'm going to pretend it's consensual. Yeah, like, what would you even call that kink? It's like auditory bondage? (laughs) You mean, oh, the fact that they're listening to the podcast is part of the kink? Yeah. Like, does that speak highly of this show? It does not. No. (laughs) Whatever it is, it does not. And that's our shared announcements. Congratulations, everyone. Let's do some notable news. In this segment, we're going to briefly present a number of noteworthy events or findings from the world of science. Actually, we're not. I'm just going to talk about sleep terrors. Hell yes. Yeah, I got some good news. I was able to land a couple of writing jobs. Mazel Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. One of them is with a magazine called Grunge, and they do a lot of those, like, did you know that this person killed someone? What's up with this actor? What are they doing now? Things like that. I thought you were going to say, what's up with that? (laughs) What's up with murder? (laughs) They saw that I do science, and they asked if I could do history, and I said, hell fucking yeah, I can. So I had my first day today. How was it? It was pretty stressful because they want you to go so fast with writing the articles. They say you're supposed to spend three hours on an article. And my first one, I ended up having to spend four. And I still don't know if I did it quite right. So learning curve, I guess. For sure. Yeah, Yeah, that, I mean, in academic terms, that's a breakneck fucking pace. Yeah, yeah. I haven't ever done writing that was under such, like, that type of strict deadline. Three hours from topic to done. Yeah, you gotta take a night to let yourself wake up in the middle of the night and go, Oh no, a crucial counter-argument! (laughs) I've totally neglected. Well, speaking of waking up in the middle of the night, that's exactly what sleep terrors are. And I've learned all about them, and I'd love to tell you about it. Oh, please do. So there's a really big difference between sleep terrors and nightmares. In fact, we call them sleep terrors instead of night terrors now because we don't want people to, A, get confused between night terror and nightmare. I think they're the same thing. And B, sleep terrors don't have to happen at night because it has nothing to do with the nighttime. I was wondering about that. Yeah. All right. So what about sleep terrors is worth writing about? Well, uh, first, what the hell it is. It's a parasomnia, which is a sleep disorder. And uh, parasomnia is just anything that occurs around or during sleep that is really unpleasant that people complain about. Hmm. Tell me more. Another big distinction between nightmares and sleep terrors is that they happen in drastically different stages of sleep. There's the rapid eye movement REM sleep where we usually find that people are dreaming in that and their eyeballs look really weird under their eyelids when they're like moving their eyeballs back and forth and you see that dot that is the pupil like 
make the skin of your eyelid like protrude a little bit. <laughs> Speaking of nightmares, I just <laughs> and nightmare fuel. I'm gonna have to take that little cute sound you made and like amplify it. <laughs> I'm glad my disgust amuses you. So, Brem, that's where you dream and that's where nightmares occur. And so we have these long, storied dreams that when we wake up, we might not remember the whole thing, but we could have potentially been dreaming the entire stage. We might just remember the last bit or chunks of it. It depends on the person. And then there's non-REM stages. There's multiple non-REM stages, and I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago that the different stages are characterized by different wave patterns in your brain or activity levels that your neurons are participating in. Yes, and this is probably something I should have led with, but I forgot about it until just now. A couple weeks ago, I learned via Twitter, but I it still counts. also reported. And it still counts, damn it. <laughs> I looked it up in other sources and it said the same thing. The main guy... Uh, oh him who yeah the, the it's not like he did it all by self but the one of the most pivotal figures in the development of EEG was a guy who was looking for the an eastward course for to a way India. to study what? <laughs> telepathy <laughs> he wanted to study the neural correlates of telepathy as one does I did that when I was in seventh grade. My seventh grade science project was trying to measure telepathy. Wait a minute, what? Okay, I have a story about that, but please tell me yours first. I had cards, and they had different shapes and colors of shapes on them, and I would test people to see if they would be able to recognize what the, the colors or shapes are uh, better than chance. I love that because you, depending on what your mindset was about your hypotheses, you are either doing like a dead salmon fMRI experiment, <laughs> like, see, you have to be super careful with how you measure what you're measuring, or you can like end up spouting bullshit. Mm -hmm. Or if you really believed in this stuff, you were unknowingly following in the footsteps of some of our greatest... <laughs> historical psychologists and neuroscientists. Very smart and very silly people. I was talking with someone who made reference to studies on how plants can pick up vibes. And, you know. <laughs> well, literal vibrations, yes. They are capable of sensing the mastication of uh, different herbivores in the area. Yeah! Yeah, absolutely! And if you talk to them and you say nice things to them, the you know, your breath is full of stuff and you're, you're bathing plants in your gases and the, that, that, that could be relevant. But Hold on, I'm going to get a plant and I'm putting it in between me and my microphone to, to give it some loving. Nice. Okay. I was talking with someone who was really, like... Not like, ooh, here's some kooky stuff, but like, ooh, did you know that plants can pick up, you know, the, the vibes that you're giving out? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I didn't know that, because that's not a knowable thing, because, nope. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I've had not somebody sorry. who might have been on a date with me telling me that thing about water, 
turning brown and ugly if you yell at it and uh, staying crystal clear and beautiful if you don't and you tell nice things. Oh, God. I know. I know. But, you know, people are going to do their own little experiments at home and then they're going to talk about it like they learned something, even if they didn't. And so, for anyone who is interested in experiments of that nature, I just, you know, I don't want to... I don't want to stupid shame anyone for their dumb fucking ideas. No, let's just ugly shame people. (laughs) Yeah, let's go back to that. Go back? (laughs) But if you want to do such an experiment, you have to do the right controls. Mm -hmm. So you can say nice things to a plant, but you should also include a condition where you say nice things to a plant, but you don't mean it at all. Instead, you're thinking very I'm going to buy thoughts. you the most beautiful necklace. I already have it all picked out. And I'm going to shit on it. We're going to go on a lovely vacation together. I can't wait. Plant you and me, baby. Forever. Forever and don't ever. fucking idiot plant. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know you're growing in shit, right? You know you're basically <laughs> eating shit. How would you stand yourself? No, I would love to meet your mother. Uh, what did you, uh, were you a seed or? Meet or... your mother. I am your mother. I gave you everything you have. <laughs> and what do you give me? Nothing. Okay, just take that audience and uh, put the various sounds on loop and play it to plants. <laughs> yeah, that's another but control. You... you have to have the same auditory stimulus, but none of the CO2 involved. Yeah, that makes the difference. Why are we talking about this instead of sleep terrors? Uh, because the history of neuroscience is riddled with very smart people doing very silly things, and we are so proud to carry on that tradition here at this Behavior Journal Club. All right, so yeah, so what else did you learn about our various electrical happenings? So, sleep terrors non-REM stages of sleep. And so when people are attempting to describe a sleep terror, they will say that they saw maybe a flash of a threatening thing or that they just felt a very intense, scared emotion or dread, or they don't remember it at all because amnesia frequently accompanies these things which is super disturbing if you happen to be the sleep person's partner or guardian. Oof, I'm sure. But it makes sense that you wouldn't have like these long storied imaginings in a stage of sleep that doesn't involve dreaming. And it's not quite a stage of sleep. It actually occurs during the transition. It happens when somebody's moving in or out of stage three of sleep most often. And what's special about stage three of sleep? Stage three of sleep, or N3, is known for slow wave, sometimes called SWS, for slow wave sleep. Okay, so if you've got sleep terrors, you could also call it surfing the slow wave to Horrorville. You, you, you shouldn't, but you could. Stage three is known for high amplitude delta waves. Oh, those. They are like scraggly, but it's like all of your neurons are being scraggly together, so it's not complete noise. Okay, it's like a grunge band. Oh, grunge! Hey! 
It's thought of as a childhood disorder, but it does occur in about 2 to 4% of adults during the course of their life. It starts in high rates in young children. Some estimates were saying like 5%. Other studies were finding like 17% of children will experience a sleep terror. But it decreases over time. It peaks earlier in childhood, and there's also some disagreements about exactly when that is. But once you hit like 9, 10, 11, and you start to approach puberty, the rates go way down. Usually it disappears on its own. I was just thinking about how scary it can be to go to sleep as a child. I went through this phase where I, I moved when I was nine, and in the new house there were there there was a chest of drawers and like two of them were big enough that hypothetically a person could kind of squeeze into them if they, you know, took all the stuff out of the drawers and tried. I sleep in a drawer. <laughs> I mean, if the drawer fits. Yeah, there you go. And and now it's occurring to me, could nine-year-old me have fit in this drawer? No, but uh, could nine-year-old me handle the basic logic? Apparently also not. So yeah, that, that was a big part of my routine, checking the drawers for interlopers what? before going to sleep. Children don't have their what? brains together yet, okay? <laughs> Life is full of uncertainty, and this is where mine, you that's know... That's what you would do, check to see if there were... I, that's... I mean, not full-grown humans... But like animals or monsters? No, the full full. They were big drawers. They were bigger drawers than I'd ever. But you just had admitted that in... you probably, as a nine-year-old, wouldn't be able to fit in them. Yeah, but that wasn't my thinking at the time. I don't think there was very much thinking at the time. But that's okay. Oh, really? You were a what child. What led you to that conclusion, yes. Amiel? That is okay. That you were a dumb, dumb kid. <laughs> Truly. Shit. Truly. <laughs> Under the bed, no problem. Closet, whatever. <laughs> Drawers, better look at that. There was a period of time when I was six or seven where I straight up, I got it into my head that if you made a sound with your mouth, oh, but no. you kept your mouth closed, mm -hmm. other people couldn't hear you. <laughs> Full days. More than one of them. I can only imagine how disturbing that must have been in public. I mean, public was just first grade, and that place is full of weirdos, so... Well, I'm sure you did it at the grocery store with your mom and shit, too. The one memory I have of that time was I was messing with a pencil sharpener, and it kept breaking off my pencil, and so I went... Mm, out of, you know, frustration, and mm. someone next to me looked at me. It's like, what was that? I was like, oh, you can hear me? Oh my god. <laughs> um, yes, that's how this has always worked. <laughs> <laughs> the world is so stupid. And we are stupid. Does that stupidity vary with our levels of consciousness? What, what else can you tell us about the fun and weird things our brains can do? Ooh, yes. So it turns out... Researchers are now thinking that sleepwalking and sleep terrors are part of the same disorder. They're symptoms of the same thing, and it just will depend on the person what comes out and at what frequency. They often occur within the same person as well. All right. And I have a sleepwalking story that I did when I was a young, embarrassing kid. Hit me. Oh, you told me your kid embarrassing story. Here's mine. 
But at least I didn't have any control over mine. I was spending... (laughs) I was spending the night at my best friend Candace Barron's house. I woke up to see her and her younger brother looking at me from the foot of the bed. And as I came to, I realized this was a very big bed. Then I realized this isn't the bed that I fell asleep. This isn't the room that I fell asleep in. (laughs) And I was told that in the middle of the night, I had slept walked for the first time that I knew that I had ever done this. And I'd gone into her parents' bedroom and crawled in bed with them. I was so embarrassed and apologetic. And the parents could not be more fine with it. Just, I mean, what are you going to do? They're like, just, oh, that's fine. Don't worry about it. But my God, I didn't even really, I wasn't even that familiar with the house layout. The fact that I like ended up in this room. Oh my. I am mortified for you. Oh. I think I was, uh, I would say it was sometime before fourth grade. Okay. Okay. So a little bit. At least I wasn't like thirteen or yes. <laughs> anything like that. And and have you ever sleepwalked since? Not that I know of. That you know of. But my brother does, uh, or has. And I don't know what his frequency is right now. But one time, now I thought that he was just drunk when he came into my room while I was having a sleepover, and we were all at that point asleep. And he was like, "I gotta find Romeo. I gotta, I gotta tell her about the." I gotta do the thing, and his his girlfriend was close behind. I'm like, don't worry, he's fine, he's fine. Don't, worry. honey, we're gonna we're, let's go to bed, and like trying to dr- corral him without like <laughs> grabbing and pushing at all. You know, like the mm-hmm. thing you're supposed to do, which is the thing you're supposed yeah. to do. Just guide them back to bed if you can, and be careful because they can get violent against you. So you should r- try to protect yourself and them. And when somebody's having a sleepwalk or a sleep terror. Public service announcement. Whoops. It is highly genetic, more so than any of the other parasomnias. This is genetically linked, and we have no clue (laughs) the genes associated. There was a guess a while back, but it didn't pan out. I bet they're looking for another one right now. I'm sure they are. But what's going on in the fucking brain? Well, it is kind of, you know, you can tell yourself right now, like, Oh, probably some crazy fucking shit. But then, <laughs> but then after I tell you what it is, it it's boring. It's like when you find out who actually killed uh, JFK. You're like, oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna quickly forget that because that's so dry and boring. So yeah, who could even remember that? So what some EEG studies have found is that in the areas that are responsible for motor movement and uh, limbic regions, which are dealing with emotions. There's this activity that looks a lot like they're active and awake, while at the same time, there's a pattern in the areas of your frontotrial network that are responsible for control and decision making that are still preserved in their sleep state. Somewhere there's a limbic neuroscientist going, hey, these are also involved in decision making, but yeah. But the limbic region is probably only active during decision-makings that are highly emotional. 
like when you're trying to decide if you're going to take an internship in Paris to follow your dream in, in fashion design and event management, or you're going to stay with the new man in your life in Los Angeles and his beautiful oceanside estate in which you can discover if you're truly meant to be together. It's like that. Is that Emily in Paris? What? Okay. Is that what Emily in Paris is about? It's from the show The Hills. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's my cultural touchstone. Anyways. I love the idea of connecting every single neuroscience tidbit to The Hills. That's how I want to learn about The Hills. The most entertaining fact that I found about sleepwalkers while I was researching sleep terrors, because like I mentioned, they're highly related, was a study that I definitely am going to write a little article about at my new job. It was came out in 2015, and it was about how when they were looking at the amount of recall that people who sleptwalked and had that interruption during SWS, they were trying to... This was... Uh, I looked up the name just now so that I could say it, but I still can't say it, even though I'm looking at it. It's Yuguchioni, 2015. All right, where where was this work done? Yuguchioni, Paris, France. At the uh, hospital that has every single little mark that you can over every single vowel in it, University mm-hmm. Hospital. All right. <laughs> and what they did was they were looking at the rate of recall that sleepwalkers are able to do. Sleep is so important for the consolidation of memory that the hypothesis was sleepwalkers are going to have a hard time remembering things. If you are having your SWS interrupted, then you're not going to potentially remember things as well as somebody who doesn't have that interruption. So they gave two different groups of people this, um, I think it was a paragraph of information before they fell asleep. They measured that the sleepwalkers actually were experiencing some sort of ambulatory activity or they were having strange patterns during their slow wave sleep. And then in the next morning, they tested the recall of these two groups. And they found that the sleepwalkers recalled the paragraph better. Awesome. Better than the control. I love it when they just fuck up all your shit like that. Oh my god. Now, this went away, like, if they didn't ask him in the morning, if they instead asked the participants in the next afternoon or, like, evening time, I don't know, I'll read it your fucking self. <laughs> there was no difference between the two groups and their ability to recall. But the next morning, the sleep honors were on top of that shit. Isn't that so weird? I love it. I love it too. And I can't wait to like dig my teeth in for a three hour stint of writing an article for it. This, you know what that would be? What? A three hour tour. (laughs) Oh, oh, the Mile High Club equivalent in sailing would be a a three minute tour. Three hour tour. A minute tour. Oh. Cruise. This was a purgatory cruise, so yes, a, a three a three minute tour. You can you can get a lot done in three minutes. <laughs> we got there. We did. We it. got there. High five.
Do you have any questions about sleep terrors or things you want to talk about about sleep terrors or sleep? Did anything make you, you know, mentally travel back in time to that fateful sleepover or your other fateful <laughs> sleepover? And go, yeah, both in sleepovers. It was the uh, familial connection, the fact that it's so genetically linked spoke to me because my brother had that. I should expect other people in my family to have that same trait too, including me one time, embarrassingly, during a sleepover. And that's my notable news. da 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 da, da. Terror! <laughs> <laughs> This is Closing Ceremonies. We're almost done. If you were forced to listen to this while tied up in a basement, don't worry, it's almost over. I I hope you got what you wanted out of the experience. The code for the door is 122485. That's 122485. Why didn't you say that up top? What is wrong with you? Let her go! You were in on it? And I have a clip of what I'm going to put as the like little thing in the beginning of the episode. It'll make no <laughs> sense there. <laughs> Wonderful. Yay! <laughs> okay. We're going to tell you some shit now, just as a way of closing up the episode. They're called takeaways, and these are things that uh, you can take with you after having listened to all this bullshit. They hopefully will uh, enlighten or improve your future life. And mine it involves light uh, because I've been reading and researching sleep for a little while now. Light is incredibly important, and I've found that other people don't quite appreciate that as much as they should. Uh, you are meant to look long distances and not at screens. So work that into your daily schedule where you're looking long distances. It will literally prevent your eyeballs from elongating, so you won't necessarily need glasses in the future. Elongating eyeballs uh -huh. is one of the worst word combos I've heard in a while. You and me both share, like, eyeball phobia. You, this was the same grimace that I got when I was describing the eyeball under the eyelid, you know, moving around during REM. Uh. Eyeballs freak me the fuck out. But yeah, make sure you look outside. I might or might not be right about that eyeball elongating, but that's the last research I heard about it. You're supposed to look outside, get outside in verdant spaces and enjoy them and uh, try to do that at least twice before you listen to the next episode in two weeks. I don't know why, but I auto-completed <laughs> do that at least twice before you die. Oh. I, just, I mean yeah, both. Yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> and you're dying in two weeks, so <laughs> same difference. If only the spiritual death that comes from listening to another of our episodes. Uh, good takeaway. What's your takeaway, Leah? Yeah. I didn't write one. So okay, oh, please no. follow when the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you were talking about eyeballs, it reminded me of um, something that I always like to remind myself of, and that I haven't reminded myself of recently, mm. which is that you, with every you personally... Amiel, and also the listeners, and also me. Every single time you move your eye in the slightest, slightest degree 
you're contracting and relaxing a series of muscles, muscles that are pulling on your eyeballs through a sledge of juices and membranes and things under pressure and god it's all so disgusting fascia fascia yeah yeah that's a good word that's a good fucking word um there are a lot of things where you know thinking about stuff going on and in, inside your body at all times is kind of a mind fuck but that's that's one of my chief mind fucks because you um you move your eyeballs kind of a lot and uh, every time you do, yeah, muscles, muscles pulling on stuff, muscles connected by fascia. And you will have no way of knowing this reader, but Amiel did some fantastic mimery <laughs> to mimic <laughs> pulling. I, I was just uh, trying to do my best impression of the lead singer of Bad Religion. So mm. please follow the show on Twitter. If you haven't done that, just do it. Really, it helps make other people think we're important you you help make other people think we're important if you don't like twitter <laughs> use instagram you can find us at misbehavior jc on both of those addictive platforms you can find me curls phd and uh since i've already have some gainful employment uh check out my highly offensive other name trouble helix with two x's and you can find leah slash leia at hawks and socks and that's h-o-x Hawks, thank you for allowing us into your auditory pathway. Tell your friends and tell your enemies. Just do not tell your PI. Please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. And we hope you join this awesome club again soon. Don't forget to misbehave. All right, let's get done. We're done. We're done now. That's it. We did it. No more. Bonus. I do need to um, tell you a story, and uh, it's probably going to go into extras, or it can just serve as a warm-up between us. So, All right. I will not reference it in any way throughout the rest of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. It's something that I found really amusing, and I've been batting it around in my brain the best way to tell it in the best order to tell it. So I had... A Brazilian wax done. I am so excited to talk about this or listen about this. On Thursday. How? Okay. Carry on. So so I had planned for it that day, except when I laid down in the bed, it was at that moment that I remembered, oh, this is a painful thing. Oh, oh no. Like the actual. What else is there to remember about it? Right. I had planned to wear comfortable clothing for afterwards. Like, I knew that I would be in pain. But I, up and leading to me being there, I didn't realize that, yes, now is when the pain occurs. And so I lay down and I'm like, <laughs> oh, shit. I haven't taken, like, any painkillers. I haven't. The place that I got it done used to have whiskey and vodka in the waiting room that you could take <laughs> shots of, which was amazing. That Plus, like, a joint, and everything's fine when it comes to waxing for me. That sounds lovely and or like a lawsuit waiting to happen. One or the other, or both. That is why they don't have it available anymore. Ooh, but I said something funny to the lady. I was like, I noticed you don't have the whiskey in the waiting room anymore. <laughs> She's like, yeah, we had to 
stopped doing them. I said, oh, that's too bad. Okay, I'll just have a vodka then. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. So so I got waxed. I put on new clean panties and I put on silk pants. And for the rest of the day, I was really hot in that area and red and tender. And uh, then the next day, I was going to be working in the flower shop. I made sure to wear something light in the panties department. But then the only thing that like matched the shirt that I had picked out was like a, a skirt that was kind of short. And so I was in this like tender state, but like having the skirt, I could, you know, spread my legs spread wide out. when I'm standing. At the flower shop, I'm in charge of like picking up big buckets of water and carrying them from point A to point B and pouring them oh, out. No. And it's... It's just a lot of bending over, picking up water, careful with vases, things filled with different flowers that you don't want to spill, and nothing horrible went wrong. So don't you don't have to like okay. brace yourself. I, I was like, is what I think might have happened? What no, happened no, no. it's not like you're watching a car on a TV show and you're like, the only reason they show us these scenes is because the <laughs> car is going to crash. <laughs> Also, as soon as you said, um, as soon as you mentioned the ability to kind of spread spread out a mm-hmm. little, wide open spaces started playing in my head. And it's the soundtrack <laughs> to this whole me. anecdote. Sing it for me. Wide open spaces for her inflamed crush. <laughs> it was very tender and so... All bad. Yeah, I hadn't had one done in... Over 10 years. I... Oh, Jesus Christ. Just been shaving. I haven't been doing the waxing. Over the course of the day, it continued to be tender. And I wished I had brought some aspirin with me. But I also got tired, like physically tired from running around. And so when I get tired, I stop bending at my knees and I oh, start no. bending at the waist. It is going where I thought it was going. You poor fuck. Oh, oh or not. Okay. Well, okay. Well, I start bending at the waist and I would find myself accidentally in that position and realize I'm like flashing all of my coworkers, like, stop all me all. No, it doesn't matter if you're tired. You have to bend. And then not even just bend at my knees, but like have them closed and bend like you're doing the chair position in yoga. And it was this point when retelling this story to a guy friend of mine that he had to stop me and say, I'm sorry. Do you have any clue how hot that story is? <laughs> this story about your red, puffy, inflamed, yes. painful, defollicular... All of it. Mm. No fucking brains this- on audience members. <laughs> the same story to a girl and she's like, wow, that sounds horrible, right? And you're like, there with me. Like, oh, that's... T- same story with a guy... <laughs> His pants are halfway down, and he's already working with a chub. And I had no idea what I was saying to him, as if I'm like some like beginning of a pornography video, like a milkmaid who has now spilled all the milk on top of her and has to take off her like maiden gown and in the middle of the field. Except it's like that's a very good parallel because were that the actual scenario. You know, the milk would be hot and disgusting and smelly and... <laughs> yeah, 
you tell it to a, a fellow milkmaid, and she's like, oh, shit, all oh. the curds. I just picture oh, the curds getting stuck in your hair. And the guy's hearing, <laughs> bear, 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 yeah. So, I, guys are dumb. I usually really don't like theory of mind type discourse. You've had it with me. It's miserable. It's a mess. Let's let's not do it. But <laughs> sometimes I fucking wonder what people are imagining when you tell them things. No, you don't. Oh my god. You shouldn't. You shouldn't imagine fucking it. Dumbass. <laughs> I'm sorry about your crotch. That's it. That, that was the story. <laughs> the story was me telling the story and realizing how erotic it was. That's that's great. I'm glad we have that covered. Usually stories about stories are meh, but no, those those ace. Good. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm uh... Oh Amiel, you know what? So I was I was singing wide open spaces to myself and I was like, why? Like, whenever I think of the hook, here's how my brain wants to sing it. Wide open spaces, I'll be home soon. That's that's not that song. That's a different song. <laughs> like, goes automatically. I don't have the full version of wide open spaces in my brain. I just have part wide open spaces, part come to my window, part... <laughs> other mystery components. Can I be honest? I don't know the song Wide Open Spaces. Dixie Chicks. Oh, okay. That's a bit of a blind spot for me. That's fair. I'm home soon. To my, come to my spaces. Mm-hmm. By the light of the moon. 